Wonderful. Thank you so much. God bless you for that beautiful song. A lot of us have come, at least many of us in this room, have come to obstacles in our life that seem to prevent us from doing the work of God and the will of God. Sometimes maybe you feel and have said this, I feel like there is a wall in front of me and I do not know what to do. It's easy to focus on the wall and perhaps why is it there? Um, Who's responsible for putting it there? Placing it there? Why is it in my way? But God uses times like that to help you to grow and to pivot. And I would hope that you'd understand that we do have pivot points in our life. And when they come, that you would actually pivot and step into the arms of Jesus when times don't go your way. Someone wrote, All men have some measure of acquaintance with trouble. It is not given to us to travel through life under unclouded skies, favored by refreshing breezes, amid enchanting scenery with delightful companionships. And upon a pleasant and easy road, there are times when we have to walk in lowliness, in sorrow, in darkness, with weary limbs and bleeding feet and aching hearts beneath darkened skies and amid pelting storms. Someone else went on to write a poem. It says, the tears we shed are not in vain, nor worthless in the heavy strife. And if the buried seed of grain, they rise to renovate life, it is through the tears our spirits grow. It is in the tempest that the souls expand. If it but teaches us to grow to him who holds us in his hand, oh, welcome then the stormy blast. Welcome then, then the oceans roar and you only drive forward more sure and strong and fast. So how do we respond to sudden changes? Have you ever watched a marching band? I enjoy the Badger games, but I like the band better. Because it seems like the band always wins. But it's interesting to think about it, though, because when you're watching the band, they're looking at each other's feet in front of them, and they seem to be in step, and there seems to be a pivot when needed, and times when there are formations slowing down and how impressive that is when you're thinking about a group when i was in the service we had what i would we had squad time we had uh, uh marching time and so on and we had times where we were uh practicing and we were there were 80 guys in that group and so we all had to march a certain way we had to listen to each other. The drill instructor wanted one foot to be heard. I, I'm, I'm impressed with um, Diego, right? He just got done with boot camp. Mario. Mario just got done with boot camp and got to see a little bit of that and saw it. And I was watching the guys run and I can remember the, the times being there. And I remember our drill instructor telling us that there were certain times that we had to 
step and pivot and so on, and we're talking about making sure that we would do it at the right time, at the right place, so the formation would look well. But I'm not talking about these pivot points as a congregation or as a group this morning. I'm talking about personally, that in your life, there are going to be times where you have to pivot and step into the arms of Jesus Christ. And there are times when you need to make the decision that God is actually helping me to pivot into what he has for me to do, and I have to do this alone. But I don't do it alone because I do it with him. But there are times when you go through difficulties and heartaches, and there will be times when we need to pivot in life. But make sure that you don't pivot and stop, because a lot of times people will stop. I would say that we need to pivot and step. Uh, during a crisis, maybe this crisis leads us to a different normal. I was thinking of someone who had uh, to give up everything to go to a, a nursing home and live, perhaps. They have to go and, and be in an assisted living, and, and so they have to sell their things little by little, and, and uh, they, they helped build this country. They were in charge at one time of a business or something, and then they retire, and then they go to, out to a, to a place of solitude, and maybe they have to go there alone. And, and all they have now is just a little bit of clothes in their closet and maybe in their dresser. And by the way, you're heading there, whether you realize it or not, uh, some sooner than others. Uh, but the reality is that God does allow us, if you're going to be getting up and getting out, just sit in the back, if you would, uh, for me, that'll help me while I'm preaching. And it's interesting that we go through crisis, or maybe it's a calamity that we're going through, or maybe it's some kind of a captivity, if you would. Uh, maybe somebody is incarcerated for something that they've done, or you have restraints on your life because of what you've done. Some of these things happen to us in life, and it causes us personally to say, this is not happening to everybody, but it's happening to me. I've got to face this, and I've got to pivot and step into the arms of the Lord. Maybe it's a contention with somebody else, having difficulty in your life with relationships, and maybe it's been there for a long time, and maybe you're now, it's, it's actually exposing its ugly head that you had trouble with people all along, and you thought it was them all the time, but now you realize it's you. And now it's time for you to pivot and step alone into what God has for you. Maybe it's a calling in your life. I heard of a country music artist that decided that he was not going to sing anymore, not going to travel. He's going to go to a Southern Baptist theological seminary and get Bible training. And I understand a little bit what he's going through. I was never a country music singer, nor was I a church singer. But I know that he's got to face this alone with the Lord in this decision. He can't take his country music people with him. Because you can't sit on the stool and drink in church. You can't have your tear and a beer in church. So he's got to leave his country music people behind and, and move forward to what God has called him to do. And, and maybe there's a missionary here right now that you know God has called you to do something, and maybe you just never have given it a thought that God has actually prepared you for 
the mission field. And maybe you've never said, yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way. But when the time comes and you say, yes, Lord, and you pivot and step alone into that decision, God will be there for you and help you and strengthen you. We need to learn to pivot and then stay the course and keeping our eyes on the goal. And that is to glorify God with our lives. And what can happen if we're not careful? We can get out of step if we're not careful. We can lose our ability to balance if we're not careful. We may take our eyes off the goal if we're not careful. We may lead others the wrong way if we're not careful with this pivot and step to make sure that God is the one that's actually causing us to pivot. And if we are, and he will give you peace about your steps you're going to make. I like what Isaac Watts wrote. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. And as I think about that particular thought and meditation as we look at the text this morning, because this is where I got this from, to be able to say that the psalmist wrote this, and whoever it was, whatever condition caused him to write this, there was troubles within his heart, difficulties that he had to face, overwhelmed by his spirit. And maybe you've been there at one time. The whole first point would be in verses 1 through 3 of your text. If you look there, I would actually label this the agonizing account of an overwhelmed spirit. What goes on with somebody who is overwhelmed? I cried unto God with my voice and even unto God with my voice. And so he repeats himself. Do you know why? It's because these were meant to be songs. This would be probably the... The equivalent to our, what is it that we have now when we repeat the same words over and over and over again? Some of our hymns we have. Because in verse number 16, if you look at that also, the water saw thee, O God, the water saw thee. So it repeats himself. And so he's writing this song, and he, he means for it to be sung, even though it's his heart. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice. And he gave ear unto me. And in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not, and my soul refused to be comforted. And I remembered God and was troubled, and I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah, Selah is always, for a musical term, to raise it up an octave so that we would actually be singing somewhat moderate, and then we would get higher and maybe a little bit louder in the next portion of it. And so this is what he's doing, is he's writing to us a song and being able to understand it. What causes the spirit to be overwhelmed? Why have you been overwhelmed? Because you didn't get your way? Why have you been overwhelmed in the past? What difficulties have you been through? Have you experienced times when you were like, God, why am I in this place? Why do I cry all night? Why is this stuff not going away? Is it because you don't like me? The psalmist goes through physical trials, perhaps, bodily pain, bodily disease. (laughs) Somebody may say, why is all of this at this time happening to me in my life? I can't take anymore. I'm overwhelmed with all of these physical issues that I'm dealing with. That, That could be you. I don't know what caused the psalmist to write these things. 
Maybe social trials, disappointments in relationships. Losses in business, inconsistency by those that you thought were true to you. Maybe it was death of somebody. Maybe it is divorce. Maybe it is something else. I don't know. But it's not a physical issue, but it's a social problem that you're going through. And your hearts are overwhelmed. Maybe it's just even a religious trial. Realizing that your own imperfections and sin are the source of your grief. and Unreached expectations morally seem to grieve the spirit. I don't know whatever the case is, whether it's emotional, spiritual, social, physical. Sometimes we get overwhelmed. And maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe you know somebody else that's overwhelmed. And you can tell because they're just not themselves. What intensifies that? I think what intensifies is, is, is if we allow ourselves to think it's never going to get better, like the psalmist, look at verse number two. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. It's like it's never going to go away. When your spirit refuses to be comforted, nothing can appease the spirit. And by the way, you can self-medicate yourself all the way to death. You'll never be able to be at peace. You just throw that out there. Oh, it's just a little pot, a little marijuana. Oh, yeah. Believe me, it will be the link to something else. Oh, it's just a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of alcohol. Well, then it's going to lead to something else and to something else. Any mind-altering drug is witchcraft, whether you like it or not. The Bible tells us this in times of difficulty, in times when we're overwhelmed. Be careful. And sometimes the thought of God and seeing him and being responsible and it weighs upon the heart. It troubles a person. And maybe this was the case in verse number three. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and said my spirit was overwhelmed. Why am I going through this? Why are my meditations increasing? And why can't I shut things down in my brain at night? Well, the answer is not any kind of medical issue. It is a spiritual issue because Jesus Christ wants to give you what you need and you've tried everything but him. You know, I, I, I find people sometimes that are, they're going to go to any, any ridiculous counselor and the guy is more messed up than they are, but they go and try to get help from him or her. Go to a godly person and ask them, I need help. Can you show me how to calm my spirit? It's overwhelmed. I don't think I can make it another day without help and go to someone. We have our congregation is full of gray-haired people that have been through so many difficult things that can help you through your problems. I'll direct you right to the scripture because there's no help any other place but the Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. No man comes to the Father but by me. Unless the Spirit draw you, you will not come to him. It is the Holy Spirit. And so I see in verses 4 and 6 then there is this, first of all, we saw that there's this agonizing account. Now we see an alarming acknowledgement, really, of his troubles. Look what it says in verse 4. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night, 
and I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. It's kind of like what Jeremiah was going through. Jeremiah said this, my bowels, my bowels, that's the old English word for my emotions, my inner person, my mercies, all of that, my compassion. I am pained at my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me, and I cannot hold my peace, because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Jeremiah 10, 19, woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous. But I said, truly, this is a grief and I must bear it. Habakkuk 3, verse 16 says, when I heard my belly trembled and my lips quivered at the voice and rottenness entered into my bones and I I trembled in myself. The Bible actually gives us verses to help us understand what happens when we acknowledge that we are overwhelmed with everything and we admit it. I am just worn out. The psalmist goes on to say, I can't sleep like a nervous watchman. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. So I'm directing you toward pivoting and step into the arms of our God who will give you the ability to relax and be at peace because he will give his beloved sleep. He will give you what you need to rest. Come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. Come to him. I don't know what your problems are, but here the psalmist says, I can't speak. Sometimes an overwhelmed spirit deadens the mind. Renewing it daily helps revive it, and it will come back again. And maybe somebody's listening to me this morning, and you've been through psychological issues that have caused you to not be able to think straight and right. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is the answer. He will help you through those times. Do the next right thing and go to him and, 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 and throw yourself at his feet and confess your sin to him, and he will heal you. And he will revive you again. It's amazing. He says in verse number five, what can I do? And is rehearse the past accounts of your mercy. And so I must go back and remember what he's done already in the past. Verse six, calm but not silent praises and thanksgiving were sung in the past. And now I remember it's an inner personal inquiry that you have. In verse number six, I call to remember the song in the night. I couldn't help but just be praising the Lord over the music this morning. I'm not kidding you. You can have this trashy music today, man. Give me the old hymns. Give give me the gospel of Jesus Christ in song so I can sing it. And let me sing about how he has redeemed the person, how he has filled them. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Amen? That's what will give you the power and the strength. What a thing. I just I looked over at Erin and I said, is she getting better on that, that piano? What's going on here? Wasn't that awesome? I just wanted to stand up and say, yes, he is awesome. He's an awesome God. He's a great God. He'll give us the strength. 
an interpersonal thing. I call to remember my song in the night. And I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Maybe some of you were at one time walking with God, but now you're not. Remember the songs and remember the verses that your mom told you or, or your dad told you or that you sang and you, when you were in church. I remember singing that, fill my cup, Lord. I remember seeing people whose lives were a wreck and they came to Christ and Christ changed them and put a new song in their heart. I think of my grandpa waking up in an alley many, many times, froze his feet, drunk as a skunk, Lost as a pet coon in a rainstorm, and then somebody gave him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my, gra- my good Catholic grandpa, that's what they used to call themselves all the time. We're just good Catholic. Yeah. Chugga, chugga, chugga. Well, there are some good Baptists that chugga, chugga, too. But let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ transformed my grandpa, he was then leading songs in a church. He then became a deacon in a good fundamental independent Baptist church. That was my grandpa. And he, of course, went to home to be with the Lord. But there was an interpersonal change. And that's what happens during those pivot points in our life, is God is trying to get our attention. Pivot and step, dear friend, but pivot and step into my arms, and I'll give you what you need. You've been looking for this, this fulfillment. It comes by Jesus alone and through his spirit. And then there's this affirmed acceptance. And so even though there's the acknowledgement, then there's a step further. There's the acceptance, if you would, of an overwhelmed spirit. Look at verse number 7 to look at verse number 10, if you would. It says, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone ever, forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. I think what's interesting, and look at verse 10a. It says, and I said, this is my infirmity. This is my difficulty. This is my problem. And when a person comes to the place of acceptance, this is the beginning of that pivot point from self to the Savior. Because everything to this point has been about me, about I, about how can I. And by the way, if you're constantly saying me and I, there's an issue right there. You don't have to go to counselor. Just realize that you're self-absorbed. Everything is about how you want it. It's all about you. 20 times in the first six six verses, we find the reference of self, but no reference of self in the last eight verses. And he gives six questions, by the way, which is interesting. He goes on to say in these six questions, they're asked. These are, are not doubting questions, but affirming questions. This gave him the confidence to pivot and step because he knew that God's promises would never fail. He knew that God was always there. He knew that God would always be mercy because his mercy endures forever. And so when you're in a difficult spot, remember that God is true and he will never fail. He will never turn you away. Our God will come to you and give you the strength you need. Don't let Satan trick you and deceive you. I hate the devil. And I hate his ways. I remember my cousin who used to tell me, you should never hate the devil. They found him upstairs, 
face down with an overdose. How did that go for you, Daryl? You say, that's a horrible thing to say. I'll tell you what, we're not playing a game anymore, dear friends. Not with long robes and little prissy talk from the pulpit. Let me tell you something. We need straight talk that if you're going to mess with the devil, you're going to lose every time. He is not one to be played with. And I played with him last, this last week because someone was trying to force me to do it. But I just hung up and I said, I will not do that. I will not do that. I don't play games. Not with someone who is intoxicated beyond measure. I think it's important for us to know that if we're going to be able to be successful and we're going to pivot and step into the arms of our Savior, that we can't hang on and hold hands with somebody else. We've got to hold on to his hands. And stay strong with him. It's important for us to remember these things, that he is true. What God didn't cause, he will use. And we, he now firmly accepts his infirmity, his afflictions, his weakness in his faith. And then it shifts from 10a then to an adequate adaptation, if you would, of an overwhelmed spirit. And here's what I'm supposed to adapt to. You have now pivoted and stepped into the new normal with God. And God wants to be able to help you during that. Look at verses 10 through 12. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And I will remember the works of the Lord. And I will remember thy wonders of old. And I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of thy doings. And thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. And who is so great a God? as our God. What an awesome passage of scripture. Because you have now pivoted and stepped into a a new normal. It's like Moses after he met God in the burning bush. Remember the story? Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. You pivoted and you stepped and you walked over to the burning bush. Now there's going to be a change in you now. And then he walks away from that into a new normal. He is now the leader of God, and he is going to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. What an awesome thing. What about the woman at the well? We talked about her this morning. Woman at the well? She expected to just go get some water and get home real quick, so no one saw her, and she met Jesus at the well. Remember the story? She pivots and steps into a new normal. She has to go and tell her husband, You know what? I met the prophet, the Messiah. I met him and I talked to him. Oh, yeah, sure you did. I did. And guess what? In the weeks and the months to come, there was a change in her. And he knew it. She changed. Who did that? Jesus did that. A new normal now. Different. I think about how Mary Magdalene must have felt when the seven demons left her. What a relief. What a peace, what a joy. And let me tell you something, if you're being plagued by your past issues and, and you're being plagued and being marked as someone that can never do what's right and you in your inner man think that you'll never be able to have deliverance, you can be delivered by the power of God through the blood of his cross. That's why he came to Calvary. That's why he died. That's why we had Easter. He rose again for you and for me so that we can live a delivered life. We don't have to live a life of undeliverance. We don't have to live a life of shame and guilt and pain because he took it all on the cross for him, himself. 
I think it's important for us to know that there was a wild demonic man in the cemetery of the Gadareans. It's interesting how he could not find any horizontal help, but he could vertically, that God would give him the power. How about the woman bleeding for 12 years and finally she reached out and touched the garment of Jesus Christ and she was healed. She entered into a new normal. What about the Apostle Paul? He had his God. And he met God, the true God, on the road to Damascus. And now he had to pivot and stop. Because when you meet Jesus, he gives you purpose. And you say to him, what would you have me to do now, Lord? And there's a change within you. There's a realizing that you actually have a purpose in life. And God wants to empower you to do that purpose. A determination to set your focus from the horizontal to the, to the vertical. And then I will remember his right hand. That's what he says in the text. Look what it says again you would with me. It says in verse number 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. But look at verse 10. This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Why is that significant? Isn't that where Jesus is? When you think about the right hand of God, Exodus 15, verse number 6 says, the right, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. In Psalm 17, verse number 7, the Bible says, Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that sayest by thy right hand, savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Psalm 18.35, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holded me up, and thy gentleness has made me great. Psalms 20, verse number 6 says, Now I, I know that the Lord sayest, and he saves, and he anoints, and he will hear from his holy heaven, and he will save with his right hand. In Colossians 1, verse number, in Colossians 3, verse number 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Why is the right hand so important? Because Jesus is sitting there. And he is going to stand when you come, like he did with Stephen. The Bible says in Hebrews 1, Verse number three, who being in the brightness of his glory, in the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember the wonders of old. And I will meditate upon the works of, and talk about them. And I will remember them. All of that is found in the verses here. In the scriptures, verses 10 through 12, beautiful verses. And then 14 through 20 is amazing. But I just wanted to say this in closing, is that a lot of times when we think about the Lord and his power and his grace, we have that ability to recall his word. And how do I remember everything 
that actually God did. It's through his word. You know, if, if you don't have a Bible and you need one, come see me. I got these beautiful Bibles. I'll give you one. I took a Bible this week to someone. They gave me a call. Maybe I'm watching today. And I was ready to give her a Bible. I just, I just was excited about going and meeting a new person who wants to, to know about the Lord and wants to know about Grace Baptist Church and so on. just want to give them whatever they can. I want to give resources so people can have the peace that God wants them to have. And if I could give you a million dollars, that's nothing. You say, well, I'd be super happy if I give you this. This is eternal. And you're eternal. And God will give you that strength and that power. And I talked a lot this morning, and I talked about our big God this morning. I talked about your woes and your difficulties. And I don't know what your issues are in your heart, but this has been tried, and it is proven. It'll help the person with physical problems. It'll help the person with emotional issues. It'll help the person with, with uh, a spiritual insignificance. It'll give you the power and the strength, and God will show you who you really are through the reading of his word. So I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're not feeling well this morning. Maybe you're sick or whatever. I don't know. But God will give you the strength. Look at verse 16, if you would, with me. I want to read verse 13 all the way down to verse 20. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Look at the shift in this song. Who is so great a God as our God? Can I just say this, that his name is Jehovah? It's not Allah. And I'll say that till I die. Allah can't do a thing for you. Muhammad cleaves to Allah. Muhammad was a pervert up until his death. And they found his bones. But Jehovah had one son. One only begotten son, I should say. His name was Jesus. And they still haven't found his bones because he's alive. There's only one, and that's Jesus Christ. The psalmist knew it, that our God is God. Interesting. Thou art the God that does wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people and the sons of Jacob and Joseph Selah, let's raise it up an octave. Let's get a little bit higher in our volume. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee, and they were afraid. And the depths also were troubled. Remember how he separated the waters? They were afraid of our God. Remember how he was able to calm the waters? That was Jesus that did that, by the way. God the Son. The clouds poured out water, and the sky sent out sounds, and thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in heaven. The lightnings lightened the world, and the earth trembled and shook. Thy way is, is in the sea, and the path is the great waters, and the footsteps are not known. Thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What a beautiful picture of deliverance. Let me give it to you in a nutshell. Can I just, if you wanted to write this down, the Christian will never accept unless he will acknowledge and the Christian will never accelerate until he adapts. So you will stay mediocre. You will stay average 
until you understand what God has done for you and in you and what he desires to do for you in the future. And when that happens, you'll accelerate in your Christian life because, you see, it was by faith you received him, and by faith you face every issue that comes into your life. And when there are times when you have to pivot and step, step into the arms of a Savior who is already there preparing the way for you, forget the old, take the new, and say, this is new. This is a new height. This is a new understanding of who you are. Help me to be the kind of person you want me to be and do what you've allowed me to be born to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I ask you to close your eyes because I want you to be thinking about the Lord. Just focus on him high and lift it up. Oh, how great thou art. And how loving you are to send your son. But maybe while your eyes close, you would say, there's something that I have not done yet. Is I, not, I have not opened my heart and received Jesus. And I need to do that. And maybe this morning you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I, I, I need Jesus. I just don't know what to do next. But I need to open up my heart. Would you please help me? Just lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anyone here this morning? Say, I need your prayers. Then, Christian, this message was for you. What are you going through? You need to give it to God. Sometimes it's done at the altar. This is an old-fashioned altar. It's been stained by many tears. And Maybe you'd want to come this morning and say, Here I am, Lord. I want to start a new normal. I pivot and step into your arms. Maybe it's baptism or church membership or whatever. If you need to come this morning, the invitation is for you, dear friend. He's calling you. Why don't you come? Maybe it's for salvation. You're sitting there and you're kind of worried about, I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm not sure. If you're a lady and you come forward, I'll have a lady talk to you and show you from the scripture how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. And if you're a man, I'll have a man show you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just stand to your feet. Let's have an old-fashioned invitation this morning. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide this morning and this message is been done now maybe I need to just be quiet allow your spirit to work in the invitation in Jesus name Amen